0: Section 31 of the Fairchild family. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit librivox.org. Recording by Kathleen. The Fairchild family by Mary Martha Sherwood. More about Bessie she saw bessie amongst gooseberry-bushes it may be supposed that mrs goodrich gave some good advice to her niece whilst they were in their room for miss bessie came down looking rather sulky and said very little at breakfast only that she attempted several times to hold discourse with lucy in whispers for which they were quietly called to order by lucy's father mr fairchild said you must not whisper at table my dears for we are meant to make ourselves agreeable either by talking or attentive listening after breakfast mrs fairchild said as we hope your visit mrs goodridge will be a long one we will if you please go on with our plans i shall go into my schoolroom with my little girls and leave you and bessie to yourselves you will see us again about twelve o'clock very right replied mrs goodridge with a smile and I trust that Bessie and I shall be as busy as you will be. So Mrs. Goodridge went to her room, and when she came back with two large bags and several books, there was no Miss Bessie to be found. She, however, was, for an old person, very active, with all her senses about her, and off she trotted after her niece, finding her after some trouble, chattering to Meg, who was hung in a cage before the kitchen window. She brought her into the parlor, saying, Come, niece, let us follow a good example and make the best use of these quiet morning hours. Bessie muttered something which Mrs. Goodridge did not choose to hear, but when she got into the parlor, she threw herself back on the sofa. As if she were dying of fatigue, Mrs. Goodridge handed a Bible to her, saying, We will begin the morning with our best book. You shall read a chapter whilst I go on with my work. Come find your place. Where did we leave off? Bessie opened the Bible, fetching at the same time a deep sigh, and after some minutes began to read. Mrs. Goodridge could have sighed too, but she did not bessie was a most careless reader she hated all books indeed her aunt thought that from never having been exercised in anything but learning columns of spelling she had hardly the power of putting any sense in her own mind to the simplest story-book which could be put into her hands it was heavy work to sit and hear her blunder through a chapter but when that was finished the kind aunt tried at some little explanation after which she set her to write in a copy-book mrs Goodridge dictated what she was to write it was generally something of what she had herself said about the chapter but what with blots and bad spelling and crooked lines poor bessie's book was not fit to be seen this exercise filled up nearly an hour and a most heavy hour it was and then mrs Goodridge produced a story-book one lent to her by mrs fairchild which being rather of a large size did not quite appear to be only fit for children. What this book was, I do not know. Now, my dear, she said, you will have great pleasure in reading this book to me, I am sure. But before we begin, I must fetch another bit of work. I have done what I brought down. Law, said Miss Bessie, how fond you are of sewing. Don't you remember, Bessie, replied Mrs. Goodridge, that I never attend to anything you say when you begin with law. We always said it at school, she answered. Maybe so replied mrs goodridge and you may say it here if you please but as i tell you i shall never attend to anything you say when you put in any words of that kind la cried miss bessie again really not knowing that she was saying the word mrs goodridge went up for her work and when she returned as she might have expected her bird was flown and when she looked for her she saw her amongst some gooseberry bushes feeding herself as fast as she could when she got her into the parlor again, Bessie, she said, Did you ever read the story of Dame Trot and her cat? I know it, answered Bessie. Now, added Mrs. Goodridge, I am thinking that I am very like Dame Trot. She never left her house, but she found her cat at some prank when she returned. And I never leave the room, but I find you and at some trick or another when I come back. But now for our book. Bessie, before she took her book, rubbed her hands down the sides of her frock to clean them from any soil they might have got from the gooseberries it was a new black cotton with small white spots and was none the better for having been made a hand towel mrs goodridge saw this neat trick but she felt that if she found fault with everything amiss in her niece she should have nothing else to do so she let that pass bessie at last opened the book and began to read the first story began with the account of a lady and gentleman who had one son and a daughter of whom they were vastly fond and whom they indulged in everything they could desire which as the writer sagely hinted they had cause to repent before many years had passed whilst their children were little there was nothing in the shape of toys which were not got for them dolls whips tops carts and all other sorts of playthings were heaped up in confusion in their playroom, but they were not content with wooden toys, they had no delight in those but to break them in pieces they were ever greedy after nice things to eat and when they got them made themselves often sick by eating too much of them once master tommy actually ate up in this place bessie stopped to turn over a leaf with her thumb and then went on first repeating the last words of the first page master tommy actually ate up the real moon of the sky what what cried mrs goodrich ate the moon are you sure bessie yes it is here replied bessie the real moon out of the sky these are the very words, nonsense said Mrs. Goodridge, dear child, you are reading nonsense, don't you perceive it? I don't know, replied Bessie, gaping. I was not attending. what is it? Don't you know what you have been reading? asked Mrs. Goodridge to be sure, I do answered Bessie, or how could I have told the words right, but the sense asked Mrs. Goodridge. I was not happening, replied Bessie, just to be thinking about that i was thinking just then aunt of the horrid fright sukey was in when the bricks came rolling down and how she did scream give me the book said mrs goodridge almost at the end of her patience we will read no more to-day go up and fetch that unfortunate bombazine frock it must be darned you have no other here or indeed made but that you have on away ran bessie glad to be moving and when mrs goodridge had looked at the book she found that bessie had turned over two leaves that tommy had once eaten a whole pound cake in a very short time and that he had cried the whole of the evening for the real moon out of the sky it might have been thought from the time that she was absent that bessie had gone to the top of the barn to fetch her frock the truth is that it was some time before she could find it she had thrown it on the drawers when she had taken it off and it had slipped down behind them to use an expression of her own it was all covered over with dust and the trimming crumpled past recovery but she gave it a good shaking and down she came not in the least troubled at the accident when she got into the parlour she found lucy and emily seated each with their small task of needlework their other lessons were finished and mrs fairchild too appeared with her work mrs goodrich had desired to hear the story in emily's new book and they were each to read four pages at once then to pass the book and they had settled to begin with the eldest i always think said lucy that when everything is done but our work it is so comfortable and when there is to be reading i work so fast there was a little delay whilst bessie was set to darn and then mrs goodridge read her four pages and read them very pleasantly the book was next given to mrs fairchild who passed it to bessie where does it begin she said at the top of the ninth page bessie said mrs fairchild there was another pause and then bessie started much like a person running a race reading as fast as she could till like the same runner when it comes to a stumbling stone she broke down over the first hard word which happened to be at the end of the second sentence mrs fairchild gently set her right and she went on a little till she came to another word which she miscalled so that mrs Goodridge, who had not heard the story before could not understand what she was reading about emily looked down and became quite red lucy looked up full of wonder and half inclined to smile but a gentle look from her mother reminded her what civility and kindness required of her her mother's look seemed to say you ought to pity and not to laugh at one who has not been so well taught as yourself and she instantly looked down and seemed to give her whole thoughts to her work bessie said mrs goodridge you had best pass the book to lucy i am sure that you will try to improve yourself against the next time you are asked to read aloud in company i shall never make much of a reader aunt she answered carelessly i hate it so the reading then went on till one o'clock and there was enough of the story left for another day the work was then put up and the children were at liberty till dinner-time but the day was very hot so there could be no walk till the evening now, said Mrs. Goodridge, before we part, you shall see something out of this bag. It is full of pieces from my old great store chest. There are three pieces of old brocade silk, and she spread them out on the table. They all looked as if they had been short sleeves. One was green, with purple and gold flowers as large as roses. Another was pink, what is called clouded, with blue, green, and violet. Now, said Mrs. Goodridge, before we part, you shall see something out of this bag. It is full of pieces from my old great store chest. There are three pieces of old brocade silk. And she spread them out on the table. They all looked as if they had been short sleeves. One was green, with purple and gold flowers as large as roses. Another was pink, what is called clouded with blue, green, and violet. And the third was dove-color, with running stripes of satin now she said each of you my little girls will have one of these pieces and you shall make what you please of it and when you have made the best you can of the silk you shall show your work to me and i shall see who is worthy of more pieces for i have more in this bag if any of you my dears said mrs fairchild should want little bits of ribbon or lining to help out with what you wish if any of you, my dears, said Mrs. Fairchild, should want little bits of ribbon or lining to help out what you wish to make, I shall gladly supply them. Indeed, she added, I may as well give what may be wanted now. And having fetched a bag of odds and ends, she gave out some bits of colored ribbon to suit the silks, with sewing silks and linings, such as her bag would afford, placing her gifts in equal portions on the three pieces of silk. And now, said Mrs. Goodridge, who is to choose first? Lucy and Emily, said Bessie. And Lucy wished Bessie to choose first. After a little while, this matter was settled. Emily had the green with the golden flowers, Lucy the clouded pink, and Bessie the striped. But before they took them from the table, Mrs. Goodridge told them that they were only to have them on these conditions, that they were not to consult each other about the use they were to make of them, nor to get anybody to help in cutting them out, and not to tell what they were doing till they brought what they had made to her. "'Then, Lucy, you must not ask me,' said Emily." "'I will not ask you. "'I shall make no inquiries,' said Mrs. Fairchild. "'You may work at your things in any of your play hours, "'excepting the walking time. "'Emily may work in my room, and Lucy in her own, "'because you must not be together, "'and if I come into my room, "'I shall not look at what you are doing. "'And if I come into my room,' I shall not look at what you are doing, Emily. Lucy and Emily took up their bits, all joy and delight, and full of thought, but Bessie was not so well pleased. She hated work as much as reading, and perhaps from the same reason that she had neither got over the drudgery of work nor of reading. The beginning of all learning is dry and stupid and painful, but many things are delightful when we can do them easily which are most disagreeable when we first begin them. After this day, things passed on till the end of the week, much as we have said. Lucy and Emily were always very busy in their different places. But dinner? From dinner to tea time, Henry was often at those times with John. And where Miss Bessie was, Mrs. Goodridge did not know, because she would... Because she had proposed to go and work in Henry's Arbor, her aunt could not follow her everywhere, so she only made herself sure that she did not go beyond the garden. And she did not And she did not ask whether she spent half her time in the kitchen, for she was not afraid that Betty would hurt her. When am I to see the pieces of work? said Mrs. Goodridge on the Saturday morning. Before tea, ma'am, replied Lucy. "'Emily and I are ready, but we don't know whether Bessie is. "'We can wait for... "'Before tea, ma'am,' replied Lucy. "'Emily and I are ready, but we don't know whether Bessie is. "'We can wait if she is not.' "'Oh, I am ready,' answered Bessie. "'My silk is done. "'The tea things were on the table when Emily came in first with an open basket. "'Whatever was in it was hidden by a piece of white paper.' Lucy followed with a neat little parcel carefully rolled up, and Bessie followed with a hand in one of her pockets and a smile on her face, though she looked red and rather confused. "'I shall look at the little market woman with her basket first,' said Mrs. Goodridge, and Emily went up to her with a sweet, pleasant smile, as if felt, as if she felt sure that she had some very pretty things to show. She took up the white paper and discovered three pen cushions, very nicely made. They were so contrived that there was a gold and purple flower in the center of each pen cushion on both sides. The cushions were square, well stuffed, and pinched in the middle of each side. They had a tassel at every corner, made of the odd bits of silk roved, and to each of them was a long bit of ribbon. Emily's face flushed like a rosebud when she laid them on the table. Very, very good, said Mrs. Goodridge, and you did them all yourself, yes, ma'am, said Emily. I made the insides first, and stuffed them with bran before I put the silk on. now, for Lucy said Mrs. Goodridge, and Lucy opened her parcel, Should... now for Lucy, said Mrs. Goodridge, and Emily, now for Lucy said Mrs. Goodridge and Lucy open. Now for Lucy, said Mrs. Goodridge, and Lucy, opening her parcel, showed an old-fashioned housewife with many pockets. She had managed her silk so that the clouds upon it formed borders for the outside in each pocket. She had overcast a piece of flannel for the needles and put a card under that part of the housewife. If she she had lined it to make it strong and had put a, and had put some ribbon to tie it with and had made a case for it of printed calico and a button and a buttonhole very very good too said mrs goodridge let it be placed by the pin cushions and now for bessie bessie began to giggle and to move herself about in a very uneasy way if you have nothing to show bessie said her aunt or if you are not ready we will excuse you it does not signify answered bessie i am as ready now as i ever shall be i can make nothing of the silk have you lost it asked her aunt no she answered i have it you may as well see it at once and diving again into her pocket she brought out what looked like a piece of blotting paper which had been well used, and laid it on the table. I could not help it, she said, but I had it on the table one morning, and when I was in this room alone, and I tumbled over the inkstand right upon it, and I thought it was lucky that almost all the ink had fallen on the silk and not on the cloth. So, as it was spoiled already, I used it to wipe up the rest of the ink, and that is the whole truth. Mrs. Goodridge, though vexed, could not keep herself from smiling, which Bessie, seeing, tried to turn the whole affair into a laugh, but it was not a merry laugh. "'Well, take it away, my dear,' said Mrs. Goodridge. "'Put it by to wipe your pins with,' and away ran Bessie out of the room, not to laugh when by herself, but to cry. And this, we are glad to say, was not the first time that poor motherless girl— had shed tears for her own follies within the last day or two. When she had left the room, Mrs. Goodwood said, Poor young creature, I am sorry for her. Yes, ma'am, said Lucy, because she has had no mamma for many years. But Emily and I begin to love her. She is so good-tempered. God will bless her, said Mrs. Fairchild. He has shown his love by giving her a friend who will be a mother to her. But now, my little girl, said Mrs. Goodridge, these things which you have so prettily made oh. But now, my little girl, said Mrs. Goodridge, these things which you have made so prettily are your own. Thank you, ma'am, they both answered. To be sure, replied Mrs. Goodridge. Then said Emily, I shall give one to Mary Bush and another to Marjorie. "'and another to Mrs. Trueman, "'for their best pin cushions. "'And I shall give this housewife to nurse,' said Lucy. "'I suppose,' said Mrs. Goodridge, "'that you will like to have them furnished for the poor women. "'I will give what pins and needles can be found on Monday morning, "'and at the same time I have for each of you "'a piece of nice flowered chintz for your dolls.' "'The little girls kissed the old lady with all their hearts.' and ran away with the things which they had made. It was agreed that they were not to talk of them again before Bessie. End of Section 31